um, high school is a jungle, and it's a lot easier to um, uh, to go along um, rather than to stand out and be that little morsel that uh, makes you makes you look appetizing for people to uh, chew up and spit out. Think about a time when social media changed the way you think, acted, or made decisions. Why did that happen? Was it because everyone around you thought that way? Was it because you wanted to fit in with the new trends and styles? Do you realize at all that social media is imperceptibly changing you as a person? This all comes down to the concept of social conformity. Social conformity is a psychological term that refers to the appeasement or the action of giving up your opinion in favor of a group's opinion. This could affect the way you speak, act, or dress. It can influence your entire personality and shape you into someone you don't long to be. You do it just because of the societal pressure you are under. Today we are going to talk about how social conformity occurs through the influence of social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Technology has slowly integrated into every aspect of our lives. Pretty much the first thing you do in the morning is grabbing your phone and scrolling through Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter feed. But what we don't know is that feed you're scrolling through every day can slowly change our mind about a lot of things, especially as a high school student. Let's just think about the trends you might have socially conformed to. Do you still remember that kendama back in primary school? Or that fidget spinner everyone used to have in their hands, or even that time where everyone dumped ice-cold water onto themselves and thought that was fun. If you have ever participated in these events, you show strong signs of social conformity. So, why does this occur? Wow. Why does this occur? Uh, because um, high school is a jungle, and it's a lot easier to, um, uh, to go along um, rather than to stand out and be that little morsel that uh, makes, your, makes you look appetizing for people to uh, chew up and spit out. So, and it has been like that forever. Um, uh, social media has only, uh, I'd say, exacerbated that, um, where it, it's not just now in the confines of the building, it steps outside of that. And so you're on 24-7. Um, and those expectations uh, live online as well as they live within the building. And so it's tough. It's tough to be that person who is willing to think different, um, willing to question, and um, willing to, to stand out in the crowd. And then if you put yourself online with that, then you, you, you are far easier to be lambasted mm-hmm. um, and in anonymous ways. Mm-hmm. That's the other key is that people don't, Back in the day, you had, to, you had to deal with that face-to-face, and now people can do that hiding behind their screens. That's right. Social conformity can do great harm when you're entering adulthood, where you lose the ability to analyze different varieties of information and determine whether they're reliable or not. Well, I think we have to start with informing ourselves. So thinking about... Um, uh, always um, reading vertically. So thinking, looking at different sources, not just always the same one. So I want to find out about cancel culture. I read one source. I read another source about it. I read a third source about it so that I see things from different sources. And as much as possible, trying to find different perspectives of those sources. Not that that means I have to change my own, but just to understand others. You don't grow as a person and you don't formulate your own thoughts as fully unless you understand where other people are coming from. 
So, I mean, that is a simple step for ourselves. If I just inform myself more about where your perspective might be at, we don't have to agree, but I can be curious about it. And then that helps me understand a little bit better about Mm -hmm. my own thought process and yours. It's actually quite scary if you think about it. Because conforming to things has become each one of our habit, and it has integrated into our social system. You do it unconsciously, no matter if you're a lawyer, a judge, a teacher, a student, or any type of job and field, you're 100% willing to conform to things because other people are doing it. This looks like you buying a brand new iPhone because everyone around you had a higher generation of iPhone than you. Uh, I think it's very difficult to be um, to think differently and to uh, question. Uh, we too often feed, even as teachers, right? We feed students um, responding in a way that um, is generally generally the accepted norm. Um, we don't encourage students necessarily to think outside the box. I think we we say we do, but then I question whether we really do. So, what do you think social conformity means to you, and how has it affected you as the librarian in your Collingwood life? Interesting. Um, what does it mean to me? Um, I think it means a lot about going along with um, whatever is. Uh, expected and in vogue and the trend. So that might be um, um, uh, whatever it is on Instagram, uh, following whatever influencer, um, looking for whatever particular idea is um, what everybody else is thinking or doing. So um, is it easy to buck that? Uh, Not necessarily, especially in a school where we dress you all the same in your uniform and uh, um, we expect you know we expect a certain kind of of um, of intellectual curiosity but that still sort of feeds into the curriculum and the expectations that we have so I don't know that we always really um, motivate people to try to question things I think Progress is definitely being made. I think we've seen a lot of that through um, what's going on with EDI and people questioning um, the status quo. And um, uh, I think we are rewarding a lot of that by by others um, encouraging it and um, and participating as well and coming out for things like walk-in Wednesdays. So there are, I say, I'd say there are glimpses of people stepping out from the expectation, but then. Funnily enough, does it feed itself? So are we becoming, is it becoming sort of the social norm and the social condition now to be worried about how we perceive each other on gender and race issues? Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of funny how it in some ways becomes, it then becomes the norm because people get comfortable with it. This is a norm I think that is good that people are getting comfortable with, um, being able to share and talk to each other about these important issues. So I'm sure many of our listeners have a social media account, probably even multiple, on platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter. Are you perhaps unknowingly creating a socially enhanced presence that isn't an actual reflection of yourself? When we want to appear appealing and be socially accepted, which is pretty much all the time, it's easy to get caught up in wanting to present ourselves in a certain way. This makes us lose touch with who we really are and what actually pleases us. Like Ms. Piovazan said, 
It's hard to be the one to stand out against the crowd in an environment like high school, a jungle, as she described it. There are three types of conformities, compliance, identification, and internalization. Compliance conforms someone to a group's belief, but they don't change their belief, meaning when they aren't around the group, they may more accurately portray how they really feel. Identification is conforming to a particular person whom one respects, such as an idol or parent. Internalization is when someone conforms to a group's belief externally, but also internally, in their attitudes and actions, meaning that the conformed behavior exists whether or not the group is present. Evidence suggests that the uses and practices of social media are heavily influenced by others. Evidence suggests that the uses and practices of social media are heavily influenced by others. Study done by Egebrock and Ekstrom proved that users were more likely to like a Facebook post if others already did, especially if they were people they knew. This shows that online social conformity can be linked to numbers and relationships. Next up, we have another guest speaker, Ms. Chow, who will be giving her perspective on social conformity in students and whether or not she believes that it's a good thing. So, could social conformity ever be good? Finding a community of like-minded people online can boost your confidence offline. Being part of fandoms or group dedicated to a certain interest can induce conversations online, which leads to increased confidence offline in the real world. The kids now are so much more open than they were ten、um, years ago, and I think that that's wonderful. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media and being able to find Instagram accounts that relate to your interests, being able to. Uh, find YouTube communities or Reddit communities that support your interests. That's just something that wasn't really around ten、um, years ago, fifteen years ago. Like it was really kind of the early days of the internet, and maybe you would find a forum here or there, but it was not easy to find all of that. And I think the other great thing now is that、um, teenagers are being.、Um, Accepted when they share what their pronouns are.、Um, a lot of them are being more widely accepted for expressing their gender identity and their sexuality than they were ten,、um, fifteen years ago. I think that while there's still room to grow,、um, there's a lot more bravery, and I think that comes from online communities. What if you fall into the wrong rabbit hole? If you're not informed enough to know what is okay to dig deep or into. It is incredibly easy to damage your perception of the world and how you should view it. Oh, that is very interesting. So you think that, from your point of view, that social media is attributing to actually solving social、um, conformity in our community? Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. So I think that maybe the common view is that you see ideal people, airbrushed people, filtered people online and on on Instagram or whatever other、uh, platform. And that is true to a certain extent, but as much as you're seeing those beautiful airbrushed people, you're also getting exposed to the really wacky people as well. And so, I think even though social media gets a pretty bad rap,、um, there's equally great stuff out there, and you just need to know where to look. And the the kind of scary thing, but also the great thing, is that technology、uh, nowadays is able to tailor itself to your interests. So, if you've seen、um, the social dilemma as a documentary, they talk about how、um, if you spend more time looking at certain types of posts, then they will send you more posts that are similar to that. So, if I spend a lot of time looking at posts about 
uh, Avatar The Last Airbender or looking at things about Lord of the Rings, then I'm going to find similar posts about that from that particular fandom. And so uh, when I see that there are so many other people out there that share that interest with me, that's really reassuring. Um, And so with that new advancement of technology and having things catered to what you like, you're able to be exposed to those communities that maybe you wouldn't have had access to years ago. Right. So we call this action a a filter bubble. So, um, but it seems like you're describing that filter bubble is actually um, helping a student building their self-esteem and their confidence because they're exposed to things that they like. Um, so, because um, we have done other interviews and our other ga- guests share different opinions on how social media is actually um, doing the opposite than like like how filter bubble isn't doing the good thing that you just mentioned. What will your what would your argument be against those um, comments? Well, that's why I love debate is that there's always so many different sides to an issue. And it's definitely easy to see that there are two sides to it. And I think where the filter bubble gets to be a problem is when it comes to politics. Um, So if you're only ever exposed to political points of view that are the same as your own, that means that you're not going to have a fully widened perspective. But I think that when it comes to social conformity, self-esteem, that's kind of a different realm than, uh, than politics. And I think that really... Um, you want to look at the age demographic. So if we're talking about teenagers and talking about their own self-esteem, talking about their sense of self-worth, then I think that having that social bubble um, or the filter bubble where you're meeting people of similar interests, that's going to be a positive. When you are into adulthood, that's when you need to be able to step away from social media and create um, a more well-rounded view of the world, being able to be more well-rounded when it comes to politics. Um, I don't necessarily think that teenagers um, are harmed to the same extent as maybe adults who spend all of their time on the internet. In Jeff Orlowski's documentary, The Social Dilemma, there is a great representation of how the algorithm constantly keeps you on your device and wanting more by pinpointing and predicting what it is you spend the most time watching or interacting with. And Ms. Chow explains how that is integrated into her own life such as finding fandoms to be a part of or talking with people with similar interests online. We need to be exposed to different perspectives and information and be able to take in information that goes against our value. Here is an honest opinion from Ms. Chow where she explains her own interaction with social conformity. So being a a band kid, being a debate kid in high school, I was not one to conform to what people liked. And a lot of times that had people, you know, ridiculing or mocking or whatever. And it was tough. Like, it would be nice to say, you know, I stood up against my bullies and I just stayed true to what I loved. And I watched anime and listened to K-pop and, you know, was just so authentic to myself. But the truth is, I was only really able to experience my true self uh, when I was at home and when I was alone or when I was on the Internet chatting with friends of mine. Um, so it was almost like living a a double life. And when I got into grade 12, that's when I started to realize, you know, it's exhausting to try to hide myself from people. And so I, I, after having some conversations with my parents and with my close friends, I realized, you know, if people are going to reject me for being my true self, then they probably aren't the people I want to be around anyway. And even people that I was afraid would turn their backs on me. Um, they stuck by me when I was true to myself, at least the ones that 
were the really good friends. And so that was so helpful, just finally being able to be open and be true to myself and be totally wacky and nerdy. And I think that that got even better at university because when you go to post-secondary, you're really specializing in the things that you love. So for me, going into studying English, I was surrounded by other people that also loved English. I was surrounded by other people that spent all their afternoons and evenings and weekends reading novels. So um, that kind of stuff that had been ridiculed or mocked earlier in my life, those were really embraced once I went to a place that was more niche. Um, and I still did experience some pressures um, to become a lawyer because of all the debate stuff uh, instead of going into being a teacher. Um, even the person who really inspired me to be a teacher told me not to be a teacher because I wouldn't make very much money. Um, but again, I just had to be true to myself. And uh, even though that meant not always pleasing everyone around me, it ultimately was a lot better for myself in the long run. So lastly, what advice would you like to give to high school students on how they should use social media or like what they should like look for next time when they're in a situation where they might have to socially conform to a large group hmm. so i think the common advice is just like be true to yourself and love yourself but hearing that is really different than truly experiencing that and embodying that so i guess my advice would be to try to find like-minded people and so it's easy to find like-minded people when you're in university in high school you have to make a conscious effort to find like-minded people so that could mean, um, you know, joining a club here at school. It could mean um, finding a particular subreddit where you could become really engaged. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, a certain weird corner of Instagram where people all talk about fantasy novels, uh, whatever it is. Um, so really, you just need to be able to actively seek out that niche and find people who support you so that you can um, become part of that group. You don't need to be totally isolated and just on your own. You can be part of a group, um, but just not part of maybe the larger group that you see in person every day. Um, so you can have belonging. You can have happiness um, in your own little corner of the world, even if it's not um, in your everyday Collingwood activities. A big reason why so many people use social media is to feel a sense of belonging, of acceptance. This directly relates to social conformity. It was very interesting to hear Ms. Chow's differing point of view from Ms. Piovazan, as Ms. Chow believed that social conformity in social media is not necessarily a bad thing for students. It was quite interesting to listen and learn about two different opinions on how social media is affecting social conformity. It was incredibly eye-opening and both sides have really valid points. We learned many important aspects when it comes to social media and media consumption. Again, a big shout out to both of our incredible guests for the input on our questions. That's all for today, everyone. Thanks for listening.